1: so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
2: first party data strategies must have the customer relationship at the core today we speak with Adam Breutman, associate partner at McKinsey and Company on how marketers can build customer trust through data relationship management. All this and more in episode number 453. Welcome to Mobile Presence, your destination for everything mobile. I'm your host as always, Peggy Ann Saltz, mobile analyst, tech consultant, senior Forbes writer, and founder of Mobile Groove. And bringing you, as we do every two weeks, Reimagine Growth, a special mini-series on retention marketing, Powered by Clevertap, which is headquartered in Mountain View, California, with offices in Mumbai, Singapore, and Dubai, Clevertap empowers digital consumer brands to increase customer retention and maximize user lifetime value. Now, of course, it's kind of obvious after two years like this, shift happens. And this year, the change is profound as well. Regulations designed to protect consumer privacy are in full force and identifiers are disappearing. Tech companies have to ask users explicit permission, as they should, to use data generated from what they do online in an app. So what is the result? Well, the digital advertising industry, which amounts to $152 billion in the US alone, is losing access to most third-party data, which has powered programmatic advertising as we know it. It sounds a little bit like Armageddon. That's what it's been called. And my guest today points out that marketing in a privacy-first world has its advantages. It forces marketers to be customer-centric and refocus on the basics, including great product, superior customer experience, and effective engagement. It is what marketing was supposed to be from the start. And to talk about this transformation, I'd like to welcome Adam Breutman, associate partner at McKinsey & Company. Of course, the management consulting firm committed to helping organizations accelerate sustainable and inclusive growth. Adam, our guest, is a true innovator. I'm very excited to have him. He's in the digital space. And before joining McKinsey, he held roles at some of the world's top advertising agencies and marketing organizations. So he's seen it from both sides. Been there, done that, perhaps. We'll find out. Welcome to the show, Adam. It's
1: great to be here, Peggy.
2: Great to have you. And I'm excited about this topic because you have a different take on it. When I read the articles, I said, that's it. We have to explore this. So let's start first by just rewinding that clock. Because in April of last year, I read the report that you co-authored on the demise of the third party cookies and identifiers. We knew something was coming, but you laid it on the line. Bold language indeed that you used. You called it a reckoning for the advertising industry. What do you mean by that? And what's changed since then?
1: That's right, Peggy. And first of all, it's wonderful to be here. And you're right. We did use some bold language back then. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank some of my colleagues, Mark, Simon, and Craig, who I worked on that piece with. It was an extensive piece of research we did with the IAB. And look, I don't need to tell you how much has changed over the last year. So just setting the stage for a minute, we've seen an unprecedented disruption during the pandemic, 10 years of digital adoption in a matter of 100 days, e-commerce Increases of nearly 35% and a shock to brand loyalty, with 75% of consumers having tested or experimented with new brands, 40% ultimately shifting. And so the game board has changed. And we've changed our thinking a bit since that research, whereby it's it's less of a, a, a reckoning, and at this point we're calling it a reimagination. So Without a clear strategy, the loss of third-party identifiers leaves marketers, agencies, and publishers in the dark in how to reach their audiences. However, there's a loss of this advantage. There's an opportunity to make data privacy and ethical use of data an actual competitive advantage. So we need to rethink, retool, and prepare for a privacy-centered future.
2: I really like that, a privacy-centered future, and also seeing a different side of this. As I said, we've been so focused on, oh, a world without identifiers, what are we going to do? And this is about making data privacy a competitive advantage instead, and also a way to engage. Now, you set the stage for us earlier, but as brands, marketers chart this new course, can you tell me a little bit about how brands specifically should be most effectively engaging with their customers today
1: you're right this is in fact charting a new course as you said and part of the reimagination imagination that we spoke about there are really two key building blocks trust and customer experience so starting with trust that's the most important currency and the right path to building trust is different for brands and publishers but the cornerstone that should foster relationships is ultimately value exchange so let's start on the publisher side for publishers they've always traded content for attention that value exchange is clear and for their readers if they trust the publisher there shouldn't be an issue with that publisher using data to create value for advertisers For advertisers, however, they'll need to create new strategies for value exchange and leverage new infrastructure to capture first party data. So that's a bit on trust. Now on customer experiences, the second building block, this is based on building world class customer experiences. Today customers demand intuitive, connected and personalized experiences. My colleagues actually published a great piece of research on this and they found that 71% of consumers expect companies to deliver personalized interactions and 76% get frustrated if that doesn't happen. And that's a big number. So it's really essential to create a great experience to maintain loyalty, to win new customers and drive growth. So a great rule of thumb here is the closer you get to your customer, the bigger the gains.
2: That is some startling research. I had seen some numbers, but these I think are, are newer and, and much more, uh, dramatic. So it's very much about delivering personalization and delivering what users expect because they're demanding it is what I'm hearing here. That's right. So can you tell me a little bit about the, we're talking about the brand promise. Um, and the ability of advertisers to deliver a memorable experience, one that is going to be personal, relevant, as you said, uh, one that builds trust. Now, data plays an essential role in this and underpins the ability of brands to create those personalized experiences that you spoke about earlier. You cannot personalize for me if you don't understand what I'm doing. There has to be some understanding of my behavior. Let's talk about the notion of data relationship Management that you have spoken about in what you've been writing, but also just start with the basics. First of all, what is it?
1: So, this is a topic that I'm deeply passionate about. And this is from an article that we wrote with some of my colleagues and friends, Kelsey, Mark, and Jason. We firmly believe that any sustainable first party data strategy must have the customer relationship at the core. And so, We put together a framework called data relationship management to help marketers thrive in a cookie-less future, or as I prefer to say, a privacy-centered future. As I said, DRM is based on customer trust, which we need more of. As part of our research, we found that one-third of customers believe that their data is being used responsibly, only only one-third.
2: That's not good odds. <laughs> that tells the that tells the market something right there. And and how are um, we're going to look at how to do this? You know how to manage uh, data, how to be approaching DRM. But you've broken it down, and I love it because then we can get to the number. You know one, two, three. You have four steps to effectively manage data. Can you tell me a little bit about each one? Just walk me through them.
1: Absolutely. So the four key components are the data invitation, the data security center, the data dialogue, and and finally, the data value proposition. So let's start with the first one, which is the data invitation. And Peggy, as you know, the web is is wrought with cookie invitations, (laughs) lots of jargon-filled notifications to accept. And the truth is, customers often don't understand what they're agreeing to. There's a more elegant way to do this. We treat the data invitation the same way that we treat any other piece of marketing communication. Make the invitation personalized and ultimately visually compelling. And secondly, make it simple. We just spoke about how these invitations are jargon-filled. Well, use language you would use as if you were creating an invitation to engage customers in a loyalty program. I spend a lot of time with advertisers, and I always tell them, prove the value first and then ask for the data. But don't start with the question about the data. I mean, how many times have you landed on a site and gotten asked to share your data before you even experienced anything. And that's what we call privacy by default, as opposed to privacy by design.
2: Mm -hmm. I like that a lot because that is so true. It has gotten out of hand because there is no value exchange yet to even judge most times. It's just, do you accept all the cookies? It's just like, I just want to get to the stuff I want to get to, so I'll sign off anything at this point. Um, But that's not the way it should be. That's just, and that's not something I want to come back for. So... It's very much about making that work. I will dig a little bit deeper into how that invitation needs to look, but maybe just at a high level because we're just about to go to break, so I don't wanna get too far into this. Uh, It'll be a cliffhanger for our audience, that wouldn't be fair. But maybe there is just at some level, a bit of a blueprint, some do's, some don'ts. For example, you said it needs to look attractive for one thing.
1: You need to treat this like you would treat any other marketing communications as I mentioned. So, mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time creating ads and other content. This needs to look the same way.
2: Could we venture onto a no-go? Clearly it has to be simple. It has to be part of your part of your messaging, part of your your brand. Is there Is there something you can share about the language here? I have seen some good ones, I have to say. And maybe you have as well that you can share where they actually do say, you're going to sign in for this because we're going to give you this, this, and this. So you have Mm -hmm. an idea what the value exchange is. I would imagine that you've had, what's a good example?
1: To your point, you can make it fun, you can make it appealing, but don't make it filled with jargon and legalese. Because people won't know what they're signing up for. And further down the line...
0: You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop. And even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at Current.Tech.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
1: when they know that their data is being used, they may be unhappy about that and there'll be no reference because they didn't know what they signed up for to begin with. So the real key here in terms of a go to your question is visually appealing and simple. In terms of a no-go, keep the legalese, keep the terminology that people might not understand out of the picture
2: makes complete sense because if you're going to build trust i have to understand it you have to be you know honest up front it needs to be something i can understand we do want to go into the rest of the framework you know there are four steps yeah, we just right. covered one but adam we do have to go to break so listeners don't go away because when we get back we're going to talk about the rest of data relationship management so don't go away be right back after the break Welcome back to Mobile Presence, and we have today Adam Breutman, associate partner at McKinsey and Company. And Adam, we are digging into DRM, and we're just getting into the good stuff because we were talking about just that very first part of it, the invitation and how you have to be human, straightforward, honest, all of that. Now, we're talking about the data invitation as a step in a larger framework. There's a second element, the data security center. Tell me about that.
1: Mm -hmm. This is something that most companies have today. However, it really looks today for most companies like a dull preference center with a lot of that legalese that I was referring to earlier. We interpret this part of the step or this security center as something that needs to be more human and inviting should people decide to engage. So it should have rich, regularly updated content around governance and protection. And I always encourage marketers to go back to the basics. And with privacy, it's no different at all. Communicate what would be perceived as complex information through effective storytelling and examples. After all, nothing succeeds like a good story.
2: That's very interesting. I have to follow up because people will be listening and saying, great, I get it. But could you give me an idea for someone wanting to get started? What would a story look like here? What does storytelling look like when you're trying to convey something that is, I wouldn't say so serious, but so essential? Let's put it that way.
1: The storytelling should look similar to your other marketing communications. Maybe it looks more like what you're doing in social media because it should be human and relatable. So maybe not your advertising polished TV spots, but it should look like content that people could relate to and feels though they're being spoken to on a human level. That's really what is important is the authenticity of it.
2: And there's also a level of frequency and familiarity You know, you wrote it yourself. You need to engage in a quote, ongoing data dialogue and have a clear data proposition. What do you mean by this? And how can an ongoing conversation build and build trust?
1: So the last two parts of our framework are the value proposition and the ongoing dialogue. And the ongoing dialogue reassures customers of an organization's commitment to the safety of their data. Data privacy in marketing and publishing is ever-evolving. We hear about this all the time, even in mainstream media headlines. And customers deserve to know what data they're sharing and then how that data is being used. Because if done effectively, a company's data proposition can create a long-term value exchange with their customer, but it has to be something... That's done up front. And our research shows that around two-thirds of customers would be happy to share their data or would consider sharing their data if they got something in return for it.
2: So let's zoom in on that value exchange. So what would that be? What What was it that brands, marketers, how they could create more value for their customers through this approach? They're like saying, yes, there's a value exchange. I get it. I'm in on it.
1: There's a few different ways to create a more sustainable value exchange with customers. And I'll, I'll share three that work really well. Mm-hmm. The first one is around personalized offers. And again, our research shows that 57% of customers express excitement around receiving discounts or offers in exchange for their data. Now we don't recommend incentivizing data access. However, Personalized offers, discounts, and content can be very powerful. Number two is around improving the customer experience through data. So we all know what it's like to go through an experience where we have recommendations that are right for us, and that makes the experience better. So it allows customers to find products and services that are most relevant to them. And and number three is around seeking feedback. Don't just offer explanations for why customers are seeing certain recommendations. Solicit advice on how you can better recommend products and services for them. We believe the future is about co-creation. And when you're soliciting this feedback from your customers, you're both learning how to make the experience better for them as someone who is selling something and it's creating a better experience overall for someone who is in the market so it's a win-win situation
2: i like the idea of being able to have some input into what is sort of like considered to be the body of knowledge about me you know i'm i'm often thinking if i could just tell them I bought it already. It's okay. I went into a physical store in the physical That's world. Right. Take my word for it, you know. But you're doing a great. I just want to say, to the company, you're doing a great job. But here's where you can stop, or we just, you know, we change our tastes. Uh, Spotify is a great example. There are some, you know, just because I'm mellow one day, <laughs> doesn't mean I want that music all the time. So I get that. How can um, I'm just wondering in this in this dialogue. You know, there's a lot of opportunity. Have you thought or have you been thinking about how to turn this into something? Because if you think about, for example, companies that I'm not always interacting with, you know, not commerce companies, for example, um, it gives them something to do in the interim. It allows them to continue a conversation, I think is what you're saying, you know, between Mm -hmm. all of the other sessions we'll be having.
1: Organizations need to adapt to this by moving from incremental improvements in the way they approach communications to a more sustained transformation. And and what I mean by that is developing on the new data relationship requires the right people, the right processes, and the right technology. And in order for this to work, organizations must commit themselves to an agile operating model, which is a cross-functional team that cuts across marketing product analytics, legal, and technology. So first, in order to get this done, you need to align leadership around the notion of privacy by design. We spoke about that earlier. And give teams resources, flexibility, latitude to create a holistic solution. And to your point, Peggy, that is how the dialogue continues. Second you need to take a test and learn approach so that you can effectively problem solve, especially on an issue that's constantly evolving. We get new information on this every day. And ultimately, Peggy, success will depend on a combination of speed, strategy, and dynamic problem solving. But in the end, we believe that it's worth the investment.
2: So Sam, a marketing leader, Right, and they've had they've had some tough times. You know, we told them, product is the new marketing. Now they're saying, uh, performance creatives need to be, uh, you know, they need to be thought of in committee. So you have to have, you know, creative. You have to have engineering. You have to have a lot of people at that table, and marketing leaders are doing well in creating those teams, but you have to have the right team in place, and they have to have the right talent. So if I'm a marketing leader and I'm saying I want to get started on Monday. I know it's gonna be a project, but how do I get started? How do I put the right team in place? Do you have some tips?
1: So I mentioned earlier that cross-functional team that pulls from marketing, product, analytics, legal, etc. In order to get started with velocity, pulling talent that can come together in a, a lean, agile manner and start right away with testing is the way to do this. I think it was uh, Wordsworth who said, in order to begin, begin. And that really needs to be the model here. Get a pod of talented individuals and empower them with the ability to execute, and you will see that magic will happen.
2: And it also has a place, you know, in that mix of communications and conversations this is something that you do not set and forget you know a lot of people i've heard this so many times the marketers i'm interviewing they get this great idea and they're like oh we're going to do this in storytelling or a lot of people saying oh we're going to be in in x x channel or x approach you know it really is also about that commitment um is there something you can say a little bit of inspiration for people to understand that this is a process but there's also a value in this for for all parties really
1: mm-hmm. yeah so i would say at the, at the dawn of social media marketing moved from being a campaign to marketing being a commitment and to your point peggy set it and forget it is not a model that works anymore because the world moves at the speed of the internet and at the speed of social media. And the conversation we're having today around data and privacy moves at that same speed, which is a speed that continues to accelerate. So what I would say is marketers need to adapt to this commitment-focused approach and be always on in their optimizations based on the change that's happening around them.
2: Mm-hmm. And that adaptive, that's, that's, that's always always on. So the new, the new data, the new interaction, if I fill out, in, not fill out a form, but if I give my feedback, that all needs to keep on learning. It's, it's a learning living profile of what's That's right. going to inform me about my data, about privacy, and about what you, the company, the brand, are doing and taking responsibility.
1: That's right. And at the risk of sounding cliche, the only constant is change. In the data privacy landscape, we see new regulations on a daily basis. We see new proposals on a daily basis. So you have to stay on and paying attention at all times.
2: Great segue, because I was going to say, our listeners, they are paying attention. They're asking themselves, okay, yes, in the show notes, I will link to your amazing article and work with your colleagues, Adam, but overall, is there a place they can go to get more or stay in touch with you? There might be a place or a portal on McKinsey they need to check out. What's the best way?
1: Yeah, I always suggest people come to McKinsey.com and just search through our library of articles. You can find really rich content on on almost any topic.
2: I have to say, full disclosure, I've got your your emails, your newsletters, Um, I keep them, which is seldom, because I'm always going to come back to something, so I can only say that is true. And Adam, maybe we'll also come back to you at some point. I think there's a wealth of information and ideas to explore here. Love to have you back, but in the meantime, thanks of course for sharing. Thank you. And thank you, of course, my friends. This is a wrap of Mobile Presence. If you want to keep up with me throughout the week, find out more about how you can be a guest or sponsor on Mobile Presence, then you can email me, Peggy, Peggy at MobileGroove.com is where you can find my portfolio of content marketing and app marketing services. And of course, you can check out this and all early episodes of our show by going to wmr.fm, where you can find our shows on Amazon, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. simply by searching mobile presence. So until next time, remember, every minute is mobile, so make every minute count. Keep well, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.
4: The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one.
5: As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.